Welcome to Ag Credit Set It, the podcast for farm newbies and seasoned professionals alike. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from across the agriculture industry to bring you insights, advice, and must-have information on all things rural living, from farming to finances and everything in between. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Ag Credit Set It. I'm Matt Abs, account officer. I'm here with Brenna today, and we are in beautiful Columbus, Ohio, at the Ohio Turfgrass Research Center. And we're meeting with a couple different individuals today, going over um, some different topics. You know, Brenna, uh, this is kind of your uh, your home turf uh, where you went to school. Yeah, bringing back some good memories, is it? Um, it's amazing to think how long ago it was I was actually here. So I realized I graduated 17 years ago <laughs> from here and uh, seeing how much has changed on the campus and all the new construction and the new ideas and plans that the school's doing has it's been phenomenal to see driving through the campus. So, And I think that's something just we're going to be talking about today, just really exciting to see the different projects that are going on for research and just really kind of taking that foothold and really promoting agriculture and all the different aspects. Yep, it's very neat to see and to have a little bit of a hand in it, not that this is or anything like that, but, you know, being in the agricultural industry and seeing what's changing here on campus with, you know, the cities on your tail right here. So, um, and well, the fact that the schools maintained it and kept it, you know, what it's was based off of is kind of neat to see too, so. And it's one thing we've always talked about, especially in our industry, I feel agriculture is probably one of the fastest growing, fastest moving, evolving industries out there. So, well, let's get started right into it. Brenna, do you want to introduce our first guest? Yes, we are here with Dewey Mann, the director of the Wannerman facility here at Ohio State. Um, Dewey, go ahead and thank you for joining us and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, great to be a part of this. So I, I serve as director at our Waterman Agricultural and Natural Resources Laboratory. I've been in the part of the college for, this is my 12th year, and I spent about nine years teaching and advising in our Ag Systems Management Program, and I've served as director here on our operations team for the last two and a half years. Go ahead and give us a little bit of background about the Waterman facility. Yeah, a little bit about Waterman. It's a 261-acre land base, like you mentioned, that, that it's a college-managed university property, and it's it's really just an amazing asset to think that we've got this this wonderful land base here, as, as Matt alluded to, in this urban environment. We are just north of the nation's 14th largest city. A, a lot of people want to know, okay, what peer institutions, who else has something like this? And the reality is nobody has anything like this anywhere in the world. And a lot of universities have uh, outlying research stations, they have land bases, but most of the time they're located off the, the, the main campus, if you will. And so to have it right here on our Columbus campus is really an amazing asset that we're, we're fortunate to have and really have a, a neat trajectory on where we're headed with the future of, of this property. So you'd mentioned before, well, before we got started here, mm. that the college is, it's one college, yeah. but three locations. So OSU still has all the other different locations or, or sub-campuses, if you want to call it that, right? Yeah, so we're, we're one college with, with one mission of sustaining life. 
And the three locations, we've got our Columbus campus, our Worcester campus, and then what we call our statewide campus. And that includes our outlying research stations. Uh, you're going to hear from Molly Karen Ag Center here in a minute. It, it also includes what you know most people connect with when they think of the college is the extension offices. And so that is you know administered through our college that make up really a uniqueness about our college and how we connect with people in a lot of different ways. Our, our college is comprised of over 400 faculty, over 1,400 staff, uh, nearly 3,000 students. We have 45,000 living alumni, which I think a lot of our your listeners are going to be interested in. We, we kind of lose touch as they have this connection with this facility. They have this connection with the things that have happened here. But other than at the local level, uh, we kind of lose touch with some of the cool things happening. We, we're also made up of a network of about 47,000 animals around the state at some of our, our research stations uh, statewide. And then a presence in all 88 counties. And we have a, a land holding of just over 11,000 acres that we use to to do our work and to, to connect with uh, people in, in their local communities. You know, uh, looking at this uh, facility uh, out the window here, what is, um, you guys have future plans? Is this going to be uh, more of a teaching? You know, what, what's the plans going forward for this? Yeah, so our, our triple mission at the Land Grant University is there's teaching, and we, we put teaching in that bucket is, you, like, like Brenna mentioned, you come here, you get your degree, and that, that's the formal education piece. The, the research is, a lot of people, when you think of research, unless you did undergraduate research while you're here, or you're seeing the research that's taking place, what I'll call more of our applied research in water quality, in food systems, unless you have that connection, your mind goes to things like find a cure for cancer, right? Engineering uh, research, and those are all pieces that our college is connected to, but it's also turf grass research. It's also agronomic research and uh, a, a wide variety of things. Then the third bucket that is the extension piece, and that's the idea of getting information out to people, the dissemination of the research and the activities that are going on. Youth development, the 4-H program is part of extension, but it's also ag and natural resources. It's also family and consumer science. It's, it's, it literally is learning across the lifespan. Is you, you can connect at six years old, and you can connect at 106 years old and everywhere in between. And that, that is something very unique about our college is we're not just focused on 18 to 25-year-olds. It, it really is a connection across the entire lifespan of people. And so we touch all facets of that here at the, at the Waterman facility. And, and historically, we had been more research-focused. As graduate students, professors would have a plot, they would come out, and they would do their research. We're transitioning to a little bit more of a balance on public engagement through extension, through our programs, and the way we, we educate and interact with the general public. We're definitely enhancing with new facilities what we're able to do from a teaching standpoint with students, yes, in our college, but also beyond. Is We've got this, this amazing group of 45,000 undergraduate students that are just curious, right? They want to know where their food comes from. They want to understand different production practices and, and all the buzzwords, you know, organics and GMOs. And there, there's so much good information, isn't there, out on the internet that isn't it nice to be able to have a place <laughs> where you can come and, and see different systems in place and, and ask questions 
in kind of the safe environment. Well, it's getting the true answers to it rather than what Dr. Google or yeah, Professor right. Google put out there for everybody. Well, so. and I, I think, too, you know, really look the last couple of years, what the economy and our industry has gone through. There's a lot of questions out there mm -hmm. about where our food comes from and the supply chain issues. And that's I think that's just one of the great parts that, you know, we do have something in our state that is promoting, you know, where your food come from. It, it, it really even you touched on it, from six years old, you know, it's just it's a great thing to be able to start that right off the bat at an early age. Well, touching every age range. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think extension. The 4-H programs and stuff, they, I mean, it starts at third grade and actually even younger with some of the educators going into elementary schools and, and all that stuff across the state, correct? Yeah, that's right. Is our connection with the youth development program, we do a lot of, even outside of what we'll call the, the informal education through extension, there's a lot of outreach that happens. Is We've historically brought in K-12 groups for, you know, it's they think of it as a tour, but for us it's an educational, it's a commercial for the activities that we're doing in the college. It's, you know, we need to connect with this, this generation that's getting further removed from production agriculture, from environmental sciences. We need to show them about the careers and the opportunities that exist within our industry is we need the, the next pipeline of talent to come into our, our industry. And that's, I think, a big part of what we're going to be able to do at this facility. Thinking of all that kind of stuff with the kids coming in, just sparking some form of interest and, like you're saying, potentially becoming a student here and learning and progressing the whole industry on, what is the kind of plan for this learning center. I know you were explaining stuff a little bit before to us and kind of what's the what's the university have planned for the entire area here right here in Columbus so that kids can come in here check the everything out and kind of see how ag works. You look at all of the different facets of this university, and if we're going to have a comprehensive university, we need facilities that bring people together. Right across our street at Lane Avenue is the Innovation District. So one of the, the first buildings that's going to go up in that parcel is the Interdisciplinary Research Facility. So that's going to be anchored by the College of Food, Ag Environmental Sciences, the College of Medicine, and also the College of Engineering, where we look at these interdisciplinary topics and bring these, these researchers together on these topics in these areas such as Foods for Health. Well, you need that wet lab, you need that space where these researchers can come together and answer these, these uh, challenging problems. You also need the land lab, and that's the piece that we're going to play, is we've got researchers looking at what we'll say common foods that people eat, like tomatoes, like apples, and looking at how do we make those foods healthier. And so it's everything from the production to evaluation of the, the health benefits that if you have a family history of certain types of cancer, you can eat certain varieties of different crops and produce that's going to help improve your health outcomes. So those types of pieces are, are very exciting to see how they interconnect. And so these modern facilities are what's really going to help make the difference and bring these uh, diverse research teams together. Some of the facilities that we have, we've got about $100 million in facilities planned for this, uh, the Waterman campus. 
and that includes the Controlled Environment Ag Research Complex. That one's under construction right now. You'll get a chance to drive by it, and it's planned to open this fall, and we'll have research happening there over the next year. And that one's huge. Is I know from up in, in your part of the state, uh, greenhouses, controlled environment, Ohio's just this hotbed. We were, are within 500 miles of half of the country's population. And it's pretty amazing when you think about Ohio, our access into Canada, how important we are for food production systems. And controlled environment is going to be one of those tools that for us traditional agriculturalists look a little bit different, but it's going to be a piece of the puzzle to helping address a growing population and the food demands around the country. One of the next facilities is going to be a multi-species animal learning center. It's going to be a series of a complex of different barns with a common arena. And we're excited about that one and what that allows us to do in educating the general public on animal production systems and just being able to see firsthand what happens in animal agriculture is another piece of that puzzle. Then the the third facility is kind of that zoom out, wrap everything together uh, facility, and that's our Waterman Education and Innovation Center, where the school groups, the K-12 groups can come in, where current students in uh, environment, natural resources, in food systems and technology, where they can come and have a landing place before they go out to the field, where they go out to the streams and do their lab activities. So we're really excited about how those facilities are going to help create those connections with the different domains and the areas that we have here at Waterman. So you spoke about us being within 500 miles of a majority of the population within the country. With the challenges that occurred in the past two years with COVID and everything, the supply chain or food chain what has you had mentioned before that Ohio State's the research that's going into all that kind of stuff? What have they come up with to ease some of those burdens that occurred during that whole time frame that we went through? I'll spin it and I'll say that through the pandemic, we've become more aware of the food supply chain that it's 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 on demand, but people don't understand the production cycle that when there's a disruption in the processing plants, you can't just snap your finger and bring everything back online. I mean, to to get that steak, it's an 18 to 24-month commitment from the producer to get to that point. So people are starting to ask questions and become, they're curious, and they're becoming more aware of what goes into the the food supply system. The other thing that I'll mention is biosecurity. I mean, that's huge with animal agriculture. And as people, we've been wearing masks and, you know, mask and unmask and working through the pandemic. And, and it's just been such a tool for us to be able to educate people on this has always been an issue for us in animal agriculture. And, and You're so, giving me flashbacks of biosecurity right? stuff. I had to go through working at a swine facility yeah. where I would take – 12 showers in one day because I had to shower in to the units and, and shower out of the units. So and, giving me really big flashbacks. <laughs> well, the general public doesn't, we don't, we don't think about that. It's, we go to the, the grocery store, the processor, we pick up our product. And for us, that's, that's where it starts. We don't question or, or think about everything that goes into providing a 
safe, reliable food source to that point. And so there's a lot of, of uh, opportunities for education. There's a lot of questions. And consumers are intelligent. There's just, I, I'll say, it, it feels like a lot of misinformation, bad information out there. That That's where we get to be that uh, reliable, unbiased third party where people can come and, and ask questions in this, uh, I'll call it a safe environment, and where they can see things. Uh, in that multi-species facility, we're excited about showcasing different production practices, talking about different systems, and, and having those hard discussions about things that are somewhat controversial in the industry. So they'll be able to view a caged facility for poultry versus cage-free type facility. Am yeah. I correct? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be different... Uh, and operationally, that we may not have six different systems inside of this barn, right? Yeah. But we'll be able to have some signage and be able to have some educational displays on what these dis different systems look like. You know, the image is worth so much. The picture of what that system uh, looks like, how it's used, pros and cons, and and uh, be able to have some dialogue about that. A picture says a thousand words. Yes, is that does. right? Yes, it does. <laughs> Well, Dewey, I uh, want to thank you today. I think one of the things that we want to really emphasize, it just is exciting to see the long-term commitment that Ohio State is putting into this and just for agricultural as a whole, because that is, you know, our large, that is our number one industry in the state of Ohio. So, you know, it's just very exciting to see this type of commitment uh, uh, put out for this. You know, Dewey, we're talking about a lot of different aspects on the education. Uh, what advice would you give our young producers you know, to maybe help educate the people that might be coming to them, you know, what they do and what goes all into what they do in agriculture. My advice would be don't be afraid to engage. Don't be afraid to engage in conversation. The consumer is intelligent, and a lot of times they're, they're curious, and they just want to know. They want to know from the farmer, from the producer, from a reliable source, what are those conduits? What are those opportunities to connect? And I think about the great education that groups like Ohio Farm Bureau is doing, like our commodity groups and giving a forum or an opportunity for people to connect with the producers. And uh, for the, the producers out there is get involved. Get involved, be an advocate, and just be willing to engage with people and tell your stories. Things like this is engaging producers through podcasts, through uh, ways that consumers are finding information, making sure that we're being a positive voice for the industry, that we're connecting and engaging and telling our story. Is that, that's what it's about, is just being a voice that uh, people can ask questions of. Matt, I always think of our beef producers. You and I both raise cattle, so I always think of people asking us, like, what's the difference between grass-fed and grain-fed? And, you know, I have pulled out two different steaks and shown a difference, so I don't know. I mean, I get those questions all the time. What about you? Oh, it's the same for me. And I think it's it just it does show that that there has always been that disconnect um, from the producer to the consumer. And you know, with with what we're you know Ohio State's doing here, I think that's what's really going to you know close that gap up. And you know, when people can really see exactly what goes into you know what what they're buying at the store, what's on their dinner plate, you know. Dewey, if anybody has any uh, questions and wants more information on um, what you guys do up here, uh, what's the best way they can get in contact with you? The great thing about the university is everything is at 
.osu.edu. So if they want to know more about this facility specifically, it's waterman.osu.edu. If there are people that are interested in touring the facilities, in uh, looking for opportunities to partner with us to advance this mission, they can send an email to faesdevcom at osu.edu, and we could work with them to schedule a tour. We could work with them to uh, have more discussion about what these opportunities are and uh, to showcase a little bit about what this future vision is for our college. Very good. Well, thank you very much. And uh, like I said, if uh, anybody has any questions, we got the details right there and we will uh, look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Brian Ricker here, President and CEO of Ag Credit. I'm happy to announce through our patronage refund program, we are returning $31 million to our member borrowers in 2022. This means that eligible borrowers are receiving back 40% of their interest that accrued in 2021. This is just one of the many benefits of being a member borrower of a cooperative like Ag Credit. To learn more, visit agcredit.net. It pays to be a member. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ag Credit Set It. Brenna, our next guest, um, this kind of hits hits the heart for you a little bit. I I do hear that you were uh, an alumni of uh, what we're going to be talking about next. So uh, this might be some good, interesting stories about uh, Brenna back in her college days. You never know. So Brenna, you want to go ahead and we'll uh, we'll, uh, introduce our next guest. Yes, we are here with Matt Sullivan. He is the superintendent of the Molly Karen Ag Center. And a lot of people would maybe get a little confused, like, what's the Molly Karen Ag Center? We just just talked about the Waterman facility, and now we're shifting over to another facility from OSU. But most people would relate that location with the Farm Science Review, an annual farm show that takes place in September every year, and it's pretty much put on by the university. And Matt... You get to run that whole show, right? Oh, thank you, Brenna. I do have an awesome opportunity to be part of that. We have a staff of seven people, and so I'm one of those seven, and all of us have an important part in making the Farm Science Review happen each year. And so a lot of volunteers, a lot of other folks, students, as you can um, attest to, Brenna, being a former student, one of our very good students that we've had over the years. And so we're Excited to always promote what we're doing here at the university pertaining to the Farm Science Review and the Molly Karen Ag Center. And so a lot of people do hear that confusion a little bit. And so over the years, we've started promoting the Molly Karen Ag Center along with the Farm Science Review because it's more than just a three-day farm show. And that's what we want to start telling people about is, is there's, there's a lot of things that happen other than me just working three days a year. <laughs> There's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah. I can, like he said, I can attest to it. Uh, I mowed a lot of fences or <laughs> ground there and uh, did a lot of weed eating around there and cleaning up. And there were several events throughout the year or the summer when we were working out there. Um, I believe John Deere came out there a couple times and all that kind of stuff. So we got to see some neat things and, you know, drive their little, their new equipment around a little bit and all that kind of stuff. So that was really fun as a student going out there and, you know, yes, it's work at the same time and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But yes, it's definitely more than just a three-day event that people see and that's and that's it. So Yeah. And that's the unique part about it is, is uh, we'll take a step back here and, and say, how did it start? How did the Farm Science U start? Where did Molly Karen come from? And 
So our roots start here in Columbus, and that's the unique part about it is there's a lot of activities going on here in Columbus campus with agriculture, and Dewey has talked about a lot of those here in the previous segment. And so we started up at Sawmill Road. Uh, you kind of look at Sawmill Road now, and Don Scott still has some few animal units up there, and that's where the corner, at, at the corner of Case Road and Sawmill Road, is located where the first Farm Science Review was. And we were there for 20 years, and we decided, you know, it's time to move. And so it's every good thing, it starts to grow. And we moved to London, Ohio, and we've been there since 1983. So this will be our 40th anniversary at Molly Karen. This will be our 60th Farm Science Review. So as we talk about it here through this segment, we wanna make sure that we invite you out. That's the first thing I wanna talk about is making sure that you make that annual trip, not semi-annual, not every three years, but that annual trip to Farm Science Review. I don't think I've missed it for or probably since I was in junior high. <laughs> we used to, I'm not going to say we skipped school, but we used to take a farm day. It was an day. educational day, Yes, right? it was. We used to take a farm day and go out. Uh, Dad would take us down and... And that, when I started working there, he thought it was the coolest thing ever because it was like, oh, my God, my kid works there, like, you know, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it still gets brought up when we go out there, like, you know, this building was there and that building <laughs> was there and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely uh, evolved along the way, especially in the last 17 years since I left there. <laughs> it, every every good aspect or every good entity goes through changes. And so we are going through those as well and improving our facilities. When something is 35 to 40 years old, we're always upgrading. And so that's part of the, our master planning process that we're going through. Just like the Columbus campus is changing and getting better, we're opening up some spaces. And so we saw a need to um, take some buildings down that weren't being utilized so that when that visitor comes, all the people that are listening say, hey, you know, I need to come see what's new. That is probably the question that I always get. What's new at the Farm Science Review? Well, we're opening space for, for more exhibits and more educational aspects because the Farm Science Review is a three-day a three trade show, an out agriculture outdoor trade show, but we're unique as in, like you said earlier, we partner with Ohio State University. We are OSU. Um, we've tagged a new name for our farm show. It's The Farm Show. We used to have this. <laughs> I like that. We used to have this long, we're the premier outdoor educational. It went on for two or three sentences. And we sat down as a staff and we said, where in there does it talk about being a farm show? Well, it didn't. And so we were saying, well, we're Ohio State. We're the farm show. So there's something, there's a really big meaning about yeah. that word. <laughs> and so other farm shows across North America may say, why? Well, we are what? too. <laughs> yeah. So, but interesting enough, we're one of the top five farm shows in North America. And when you think about that, we have the education part with OSU Extension. We have over 150 different educational type sessions, everything from natural resources to ag management to banking, anything Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan State, we pull in the other universities as well, the other land grants, because we feel that where there's that coalition of universities, we can bring in the best topics. And so uh, that's what makes us special. But then you took a look at it and say, well, we have the education, but where do people come to see? 
They want to come kick tires. They want to come to the talk to the banking industry. I'll mention that since you're sitting here. But it's if I could think of our spot number, I'd say it because yeah. we, we do have a booth at the Farm Science Group. Yeah. So. so you know, and it's interesting. It's like people will be like, "All right, how do I find everybody?" And we'll talk about that here a little bit of of all the cool things about how we're involved, growing, and but. That's the unique part about it is you've got the education, you've got the 600 commercial exhibitors and the Gwynn Conservation Area with all the different types of, of conservation exhibits. We have field demos. One of the aspects where we always try to do is corn harvest, soybean harvest, drainage. Uh, the list goes on and on. I will say this. We are the only national farm show that has soybean harvest. So when everybody touts, say we're the biggest and we're the best, every farm show has a twist to it. I'll say that. But no other farm show can say that they harvest soybeans. So that's where those farmers can get out there and, and watch harvest and then um, go talk to the commercial exhibitors about what makes their combines or their tillage the best or their technologies. Were. This year, one of the things we're going to be looking at is drones, you know, as I've said through a few presentations, whether it's been through OSU Extension or it's been through my local seed dealer, they're talking about how can we integrate this new technology of spraying with drones or using drones for different types of crop management. And so that's what we're going to be showcasing this year at the Farm Science Review is that new technology and the automation that goes along with it. Now, you mentioned... You know, the, the show itself, you're mentioning harvest capabilities at the show. What all is encompassed in the Molly Karen Ag Center? It's, it's not just 10 acres worth of, worth of That's right. displays. It's yeah. what? The Molly Karen Ag Center is actually 2,100 acres. And so that's what's really cool about this facility is that we have the Farm Science Review that I get pretty jazzed up talking about, but it's also a production agriculture farm. And so... We have 1,600 acres of production ag that is using the latest and the greatest technology. We've partnered with John Deere Corporation, and we work with John Deere in making sure that the latest equipment is on our farm so that when a farmer comes to the Molly Karen Ag Center, they're seeing the latest technology available. So if you drive a red tractor or a blue tractor or another color, maybe orange or whatever it is, the technologies are similar. Yeah, I know they're a little bit different, but you're going to be able to see what's happening there. And we have a lot of farmers that come to us and say, hey, what are you guys utilizing on your farm? Because I have those questions as well. And so we're not an extension component as in the formal stages, but we also visit with a lot of farmers that want to come and see what's going on. And so when we talk about the latest in and farm equipment, but also we call what, like water management, drainage, irrigation. We're very much involved with those as well. And so we have been trying to be on the forefront of this water quality issue. I mean, when people talk about water gates and control structures, we have those. When it talks about all the different aspects of being on the nutrient side or being on the pollutant side, I always tell people I won't be on the nutrient side because as a farmer myself, 
I understand what that fine line is there. It's called a drainage ditch, and I want to stay in the field, not in the drainage ditch. So, Well, in our territory up in northwest Ohio, over the past, I don't know, what, eight, nine years, it's really become a really big focus as far as runoff and everything with the algal bloom and all that with the lake and all and all that that encompasses. So th- to have the research going on and being a part of it and seeing it on display while at the review, and it, it's kind of one of those educational things that Dewey talked about, like being able to see that is it all that? Is it is it what's really actually causing it? All that kind of stuff. So that's it. it's an interesting concept because with us being more of a production farm, uh, when people think about research at the university, sometimes they, they think about small plots. Or like a lab. Like a lab. Right. Or the plots are 40, 40 feet long by 10 foot wide, and you're using these little plot combines, and that is very important research. We're also doing some research at our facility as well, but I call it more large-scale research. 100-acre fields. 100-acre fields, 40-foot-wide equipment. Our sprayer, we were top-dressing week today and and doing some work with that and some evaluation on nitrogen studies and wheat. And so we partner with the different uh, departments, and I guess that's an interesting way of saying it, but uh, the Food, Agriculture, and Biological Engineering Department is, is a great group of folks that are on the cutting edge. Uh, here in the last few years, there's this book called eFields, and eFields is a tremendous publication, and we do a lot of work within eFields to help that publication, but also to help our local farmers and regional state farmers. I mean, we've got compaction studies looking at tires versus tracks and other types of compaction and nutrient management. We were just talking here not too long ago about what projects we're going to be doing this spring. Usually we have between five and seven large-scale agriculture products that can benefit the farmer today and into the future. So we're pretty excited about that. I talked to a farmer probably about two weeks ago from Fort Wayne, Indiana. He was interested in putting tracks on his sprayer. He says, I I saw your guys' videos on, on, on your sprayer with tracks and he says tell me a little bit about it he says i want to pull the trigger and he says you guys are going to be my deciding factor so that's pretty cool being able to visit with somebody from fort wayne never i've never met him don't know him but he was able to see what we're doing and so i i I think that's pretty neat kind of goes and shows you know the best practices that you guys are trying to promote in agriculture and really we said you know with the larger farm it's more of a regular production agricultural setup, not a lab setup. So, you know, it's it's real farm data and information that uh, producers can use. You know, looking uh, for, uh, you know, this year, anything new um, at the Farm Science Review that we're going to be looking for? I would say new, I kind of touched on a little bit, is um, some of the newer technologies with drones and automation. One of the things... Uh, in pertaining to the Farm Science Review with our field demos is we're going to be increasing our automation at our grain bin complex. So as as a farmer would be pulling up to his grain complex and unloading grain, a lot of those systems that we're implementing now will be be self-starting on their own. There'll be a lot of where a computer takes over dumping the grain versus him having to get out and start up a bunch of legs and pits and things like that. 
So we're pretty excited about that. We're going to be putting in a new large scale that uh, a lot of farmers already have some scales on their property, but we're going to be putting in one that has some of the latest technology. So we're partnering with uh, one of our exhibitors to do that. When we look at equipment-wise, uh, we're always excited to see what the exhibitors are going to bring. And some of those uh, pieces of equipment, we may be challenged this year with the shortage of equipment, but we've been assured that a lot of the exhibitors are going to be bringing some of their newest equipment. And, and the interesting thing is, when we think about new equipment, we think about, wow, how big is the, the planter going to be there? Is it going to be 60 foot, 120 foot? But some of our smaller exhibitors may be bringing in some newer technologies, whether it's graders or some construction as well, because we have a, a small segment of that dealing with construction. But I don't want to leave out I know, Brenna, you were talking earlier about being a beef producer. Some of the newer technologies with handling equipment though, or handling animals may be there as well. So everything from livestock to large equipment to lifestyle needs to, to help the farmer, that's what we're there for. We've always kind of had another tagline is the smorgasbord of agriculture. And so that pretty much fits the farm science review from livestock to large equipment, to the smaller farmer, we're able to meet all the needs there. I think the drone aspect is something that's going to be very interesting to see just from watching how that's evolved from a recreational tool to yeah. field mapping to now you're seeing you know sprayer booms attached to these things and doing some applications. So I, I think that's definitely something that's going to be, that's going to keep growing in our industry more. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just I every year I look forward to seeing that type of new technology and and to where it's going to be able to help make better decisions. Now, looking we're heading into spring here and we're looking at what you know, people are planting, how they're planting, all that kind of stuff. What type of spring planting outlook do you foresee? I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's dry. It's yeah. ready to go. <laughs> Soil it's, temps up. <laughs> I will say this. We have our equipment. We have our crop inputs. So if you can get those two lined up this year, you're going to be doing pretty well. It's interesting when we think about Molly Karen and, and our planting focus, we have two different focuses. Uh, we want to make sure that our demo crops get planted for the farm science review. That's up. Uh, that's number one. And then on the production side, we want to make sure that our corn and soybeans are going in a timely fashion. Nate and I were just, Nate Doritas is our farm manager. Nate and I were talking just a couple of days ago. When do we want to go to the field? Our, we're always trying to push the envelope. And if we can get into the field by, I'll say, mid-April, we're just like every other farmer. When it gets dry like it has been these past few days, we start getting jazzed up. <laughs> And start getting a little... <laughs> the barn doors open up yeah. and start moving stuff around. Yeah. And, and so... The uh, final touches for all the technology on the planters gets oh, yeah. done. And, and I was in a seminar a few days ago, and they were talking about, hey, if this breaks down and you don't have this part, why are these... Put these two wires together and you at least still go plant. <laughs> and so we understand there's challenges every year. And, and number one for us is safety, of course, and to getting the, a good crop in the ground. And so that's the neat thing about it is being able to just have that planning outlook and say, we're ready to go. Um, it, it's neat being able to 
be like every other farm in, in Ohio where we want the best technology. We want to be able to get a good crop. And through our partnership with John Deere and our local dealer, we've been able to see our yields increase. And that's been very positive for us. And so with drainage management and, and looking at irrigation and the new equipment, um, every year we have hiccups. We're no different than any other farmer. I mean, we hit a pothole or a, a blowout in the field and we have to go fix stuff. I mean, that's, that's what, it's what it is. But um, it's, it's pretty cool to have a farm within a university that um, can push the cutting edge in technology. You know, Matt, uh, you know, talking about this spring and what we've looked at with, you know, the demand of our crops, uh, the crazy whirlwind that our markets have been on. Um, talking to uh, producers in the state, have you heard much on, you know, uh, corn versus beans, acre switching? Um, you know, I think really we look at, you know, that production cost versus the yield, especially with our inputs that have increased so much over the last 12 months. We have... I'll say this at Molly Karen. We, we try to keep a pretty strict 50-50 rotation. We, we put in some more wheat this year. We saw the profitability of wheat, so we switched some corn acres over to wheat. And so we haven't grown wheat, I would say, probably for six or seven years. And then it's like as we watch the markets, we're like, hey, we can make some money planting wheat. So we did some shifting of ourselves. Um, as we visit with some guys around the state, we're not seeing a tremendous shift towards soybeans. Um, when you start looking at some ratios there of, of pricing and crop input, of pricing, of, of what the markets are giving us, um, a lot of guys are still keeping their similar rotations. I, I don't see a huge uh, shift toward corn or beans in one direction. It's Right now, the, the markets are fighting to to see, are we going to plant beans or are we going to plant corn? At this point in time, I think guys are pretty much locked in. I, I mean, when you look at the, the large-scale agriculture, uh, a lot of the lar lar larger farmers that we uh, look at bringing to the Farm Science Review, they, they have to make those decisions so early, probably back in November, December, and it wasn't as volatile as then. We were starting to hear rumors, hey, you better get your glyphosate or your glufosinate or those other type of inputs that are running a little short. But we weren't hearing a lot of that. So um, we think farmers have pretty much settled in for what they're going to have this spring and we're ready to roll. And I think that's one of the great things we talked about, the new technology um, at Farm Science Review and what you guys are using on the research farm it does really help that, you know, that production cost versus yield. We're, we're able to use the best technology to use the, I want to say, use the most fertilizer. We use the right amount where on fertilizer. And I think that's something that, you know, not only promotes what we talked earlier on, you know, our watershed issues, but just really controlling them costs and getting really the most, most bang for your buck on, you know, a per acre basis. And when you, you mentioned that, we have switched our nitrogen practices a lot over the years. Uh, we used to be just straight anhydrous, and we didn't put any down when we were planting, and now uh, we have switched over to a blend of products. We actually pull a tank behind our planter, so it's kind of unique. A lot of guys don't do that. 
with having 1,600 acres, we have the ability to uh, have some flexibility if instead of being a five or six or 7,000 acre farmer. But we went from applying our nitrogen one time a year to three times a year. I mean, we're putting some down at planting and then uh, side dress and then working with the ag engineering department. We're actually coming in and putting some down at late season. And we're looking at different uh, model models out there that can say, hey, you've had this much rainfall, you've lost this much nitrogen, or we're getting some mineralization with the organic matter. Maybe we go into that last application when the crop really is looking at it, and do you need to put it on? There's been some years where we said we didn't. There's been some years where we said, you know, due to the climatic factors, we need to put a little bit more nitrogen on. So working with uh, our extension climatologists, our, our vendors at the Farm Science Review that deal with these different modeling programs, we have been able to really make a best management practice there, not only with nitrogen, but also with our other crop inputs. We're, we're, we went from, I would say, probably 80% tillage. Now we're going to no-till, strip-till, a lot of reduced-type tillage practices to help us um, conserve that soil because we only get one chance to farm it, and we want to have the opportunity to make it better for that next generation of the farmer that's going to be coming there to help us be a part of it. Now, with all this uh, information and uh, all the trials that you guys have seen and are recording over the years, is there uh, is this information that's available to our producers? Sure. So the best aspect or the best place that they can go to to get this information would be through Extension. And I mentioned the eFields publication earlier. That is probably the best place to see what Molly Karen's been doing and using this latest technology. Uh, we have some of it on our website. Our website is primarily focused toward Farm Science Review because we know that that's where farmers want to come see the latest technology where... It's the farm show. The farm the show, farm that's show. right, Brenna. So from a research standpoint, applied research, looking at tracks and all that other good stuff, go to the eFields booklet. And so you can just type in OSU eFields in your search bar and it will come up. There's several years of it. If you want to learn more about the Farm Science Review, it's pretty easy. It's fsr.osu.edu and... Uh, Anything you want to know about the review, the dates, the times, it's September 20th through the 22nd this year. It's always the third week in September. As we've always said, tickets will be on sale in July, and there's always something to see. Well, Matt, I do want to touch base. Uh, you know, we've talked about the background of FSR, the Molly Karen Research Center. Um, why don't you give us a little bit on your background? Uh, what brought you to this point uh, to be part of uh, – uh, the Ohio State University and uh, uh, Farm Science Review. I've been with the university since, well, full-time since 1998. And so I was actually in the ag engineering department teaching precision agriculture for four years before I started working at Farm Science Review. And so as the guys got to see me, what I was doing with the per Precision Ag. I actually helped start the Precision Ag demos at Farm Science Review back in 1999. And so um, a, one of the guys, main guys retired, Craig Fendrick, who was the manager at that time, retired. 
And so Chuck Gamble moved up to manager, and I had the opportunity to be assistant manager under Chuck. And so, and then as things changed, and I became superintendent of the Molly Karen Ag Center. So I'm a Buckeye through and through. Uh, I was blessed to have, or I am blessed to have two degrees here from Ohio State and agronomy and soil science. And so um, I, I was gone for a couple years after I got my master's degree. And then I decided I wanted to be part of Ohio State teaching. And I, n- I never realized that uh, I'm from Madison County. And okay. so that's the unique part about it is Farm Science Review has been in my back door my whole life. And we always kind of joke, we never aspire to be a farm show manager. Um, but as I watched Farm Science Review over time, I was like Brenna, one of the students that participated at Farm Science Review. I didn't work for him, but there was a, a, we, the student groups participate in, in providing food for the visitors. So I was in part of the agronomy team and, and did that. And so my roots go back. Uh, a lot of the Farm Science Review, I can remember going to Don Scott as a little kid. And so once, I can remember going once. And so it's pretty cool that uh, I, I have some history here and some memories like a lot of people do. And that's what makes people say, you know, it's a pretty special place. They want to come gather and see friends, but also see the exhibitors as well. Definitely. There's several of us that call it our reunion sometimes. That's right. Like yeah. um, a couple of the people that I worked with. And ironically, we actually worked together one year with him as the assistant uh, director or superintendent. Yeah. It was my last year as a student employee out there. So uh, we have known each other for a long time. <laughs> long time now. We won't, yeah. won't go back to staying the number of years. <laughs> so. We want to thank you, Matt, for joining us here at, on our podcast, Ag Credit Said It. And uh, we look forward to seeing you out there at the review and possibly doing a follow-up at our at our booth when, while we're there. So At the farm show. Yes. I want to thank all of our guests today on this episode of Ag Credit Said It. Uh, for more information um, on everything we discussed today, we'll be posting the links in our transcript on the Ag Credit uh, website www.agcredit.net. I want to thank uh, all of our guests and Brenna. It's been a pleasure as always. And we will catch you again on the next episode of Ag Credit Set It. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Set It. Want to talk ag in between episodes? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag Credit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net. And be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Catch you next time.